Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at RedtailTalk90, and my co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade, you can find me on Twitter at JadeOxfordRose, and I use they, them pronouns. We'll be making our way through the books one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Uh, today we are continuing our recording of book 19 with our good friend Dirk. Welcome back. Hello, I am Dirk. I use they, them pronouns. You can find me at Hope's HearthPod on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me at PF underscore Diva on Twitter for the spacey stuff. Uh, additionally, I am on the Hope's Hearth podcast, which is a sci-fantasy actual play podcast about alien refugees making space communism. It's great. We love it. <laughs> uh, so last time we, we got through about half of book 19. We're going to continue with the other half of book 19 today. Uh, as a reminder, some book-specific content warnings include depersonalization, uh, a la being lost in morph, injured children, ableism slash anti-blind, anti-deaf uh, sentiments, uh, survival situations, a child controller, wild animal attacks, uh, and depression and descriptions thereof, although there's a little bit less of that in this particular half. Uh, all right. So, we left off uh, at the end of chapter 12, uh, wherein Karen and Cassie had been spending an uneasy night of truce after Karen has definitively figured out that Cassie is a human and can morph. Uh, and they have some philosophical discussions about the natures of Yerks uh, and whether or not they deserve to spread themselves through the galaxy, I guess. Uh, and uh, continued instances of Cassie just kind of knowing that knowing the way that this all should end with regards to Karen uh, but also not willing to do that and so kind of existing in this stasis of a survival situation so uh, they pass the rest of the night in their uneasy truce uh, until the morning. It rains all night, uh, but by the time the sun rises, uh, it's a clear day. Uh, Karen rushes past Cassie to come out of the cave that they were hiding in in order to try to find the dragon beam that she attempted to scare the leopard off with. Um but can't find the dragon beam anywhere. Uh, Cassie says it probably washed away in the storm because they're on some kind of slope. Um, and Karen is extremely upset about this because uh, apparently dragon beams are like specifically 
given to specific controllers. And if they lose one, it's extremely bad. <laughs> um, Shout out to one good things about the X apparently having gun control, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Karen says that she can't go back without the dragon beam. It will main facing Subvisor 19. Um, I like the, the distinction. Like Cassie says, your boss, and Karen corrects my commander um, as a reminder that the Yerks live not in like a working society, but in a military society. Mm-hmm. Um, and Karen's like, will you help me look for it? And Cassie's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Karen raises the uh, impressive carrot herb. Well, they'll go easy on you when I bring you in, or uh-huh. maybe. And and Cassie's uh, just like, oh, maybe they'll give me to you, make me your host body. And Karen's like, no thanks. I don't want any more young female human hosts. Too weak, too emotional. Their heads too filled up with. And she breaks off, and she like ends the conversation. Mm-hmm. Like Cassie's waiting for her to say something else, but like Karen just starts walking. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cassie's just trying to figure out what Karen might have been referring to, thinking it was maybe uh, that she uh, the host is emotional, um, and posits about whether or not the Yerk is bothered by Karen's thoughts and emotions. Mm-hmm. And this sort of puts the notion into. Cassie's head that maybe there is another way to deal with this because if a yoga can be influenced by the thoughts and emotions of a human child yeah can they be made to see reason mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh Cassie's like okay so we've got a long walk and if we got um and just sort of like fix the pace well no but I'm I'm saying because of the pace and she asks Cassie asks Karen how she feels about mushrooms Mm-hmm. And uh, Karen is, I can just imagine the flat, what, <laughs> here. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like, yeah, mushrooms. See, some, you have to be careful because, you know, a lot of poisonous. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, did a, I did a paper for life sciences and all about wild mushrooms. Uh, they're edible. They're, they're, those are edible. And Karen's just like, I'm not eating raw, mush- raw mushrooms. They're gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and Cassie, like, is sort of rocked by this seeing both Karen, the little girl, and the full-grown yerk sort of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. interplaying yeah. with each other. It's a really good example of how much a yerk's host will influence the yerk, um, mm. which is another point for Visser 3's just totally bombastic, arrogant nature being partially a Lauren. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There is something really interesting to me about the notion of how much a host's personality seeps in Mm -hmm. despite Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. or because of it, like the nature of being so intrinsically close to somebody like that. And it's Mm -hmm. impossible to not pick up some of their traits because it's something I think we've talked about before in, in the positive way, like amongst friends, the way you develop language together, but something like via effectively is pretty actually damn close to osmosis i suppose <laughs> like of mm-hmm. becoming more like the per- the the host and mm-hmm. then what it must be like to go from 
uh, a human host or a host with a very strong sense of self or personality to uh, to a different kind of host body. Mm-hmm. And why a yerk wouldn't want to go back? Like once yeah. you've got upgraded from Ged to Hawk Bajir to human to mm-hmm. Andalite in Vista 3's case, like I don't want to go back, even if maybe the hosts are more work or have more of an influence it's still like a better way of existing in from the yuck's perspective right yeah Hmm. yeah they they do seem to believe rightly or not that uh hosts that are better able to perceive and interact with the world are better hosts um so uh so they as they continue talking about eating the mushrooms um and cassie is uh just like all right uh well karen or whatever your your name is tell me about your life uh i know you don't like your commander what else and karen's just like what are you doing? Like, what, what are you even doing? You, you save me. You guide me. You're trying to feed me. Are you trying to prove something? I don't understand what you're doing. Please make sense. I, I, I love this yuck blue screening at the notion of just Cassie being Cassie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the, at the, just like, I don't get it. What are you doing? What are you trying to do? <laughs> but I don't like, like it. Also, like I kind of get it because, oh, yeah. like from this Yerk's perspective, like, uh, heckin, like imagine, like I don't know, for whatever reason, like you end up hanging out with like a Republican or a Tory, and <laughs> they like invite you to like a real fucking nice dinner at like the country club, and they're real nice to you, and they make everybody else there be nice to you, and you're just waiting the whole time, like, mm-hmm. okay, this is gonna break bad any second now, except yeah. like, uh, like we know that like Republicans and Tories are like human beings. So, like, yeah, they're perfectly capable of being nice when they make the choice to. But, -hmm. like, imagine if just, like, they were just, like, never, like, human beings in your head. Like, like, obviously, they do some shit. Like, a lot of them do and think some shit. But, like, at the end of the day, they're still human people. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's just, it's gotta be... Like, that whole feeling of, this is going to break bad any second, and I would just like the other shoe to drop right now. Yeah. So. I, I, I see your point about... But also, I suppose it speaks to the yerk mentality. And this is true, I think, of the Andalites as well, mm-hmm. of that militaristic view, which is like, I have been captured by the enemy, and you mm-hmm. expect your enemy to work in a different way. You're on the defensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's sort of just like, it's so, like, they're probably trained how to deal with being, like, taken, like, how to deal with certain things. But, like, it's one thing to be trained how to deal with, like, an interrogation or whatever. To somebody making casual conversation with you, uh-huh. like, mm-hmm. I can understand, like, it's so 
to return to a device we talked about. It's so beyond. You don't have this. Isn't off script. This is the script is gone. This is a whole new play mm-hmm. that you didn't realize that you'd been cast in. Like, what is happening? What role am I playing here? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. this is a completely new situation, mm-hmm. and Cassie is using it to her advantage. Yeah, masterfully. Because yes. she immediately counters to Karen's comment as she's just like stuffing mushrooms in her pockets. Um, and it bothers you, doesn't it? What bothers me? It bothers you when your victims don't hate you. She let out a harsh barking laugh. She started to say something. Then she started to say something else. She ended up saying nothing. Cassie hands over a mushroom, says, you can eat it now, wait, we can might find some green onions or even some edible flowers, practically a salad. And Karen, meanwhile, is sort of like still not really caring about the mushrooms at this point. And just like, you think you understand me? You don't. Nothing bothers me, Karen said harshly. It doesn't bother you that you've enslaved a child. And Karen counters with slavery as a human concept. Okay, then forget that. How about this? Does it bother you when you hear Karen, the real Karen, crying inside your mind? Does it bother you when you're with her mother and Karen wants so badly to talk to her mom, just to tell her she loves her, just to say, I love you, mama, and she can't even say that? Does it bother you then? Karen jerked like I'd slapped her. You don't know what you're talking about, she cried. Oh, don't I? I said. Let me ask Karen. Let me ask Karen and uh, let me talk to Karen and ask her. This human body has no secrets from me, she said. I know what she thinks and feels, I added. And feels, she said defiantly. She hates me, okay? Does that make you feel superior? She hates me. She wants me dead. She sits in there in the back of my mind and imagines me being tortured, dying a slow, screaming death. That's what she feels. I am not up to yelling, but then mm-hmm. scre- screams the word hate three times. Mm-hmm. And okay, like on the one hand, like it's very possible that the real human girl, Karen, does actually hate this Yerk as much as they're imagining she hates them. But like also, nine year old children, like children in like this, uh, like three to ten range are very strange, morbid little creatures. Especially (laughs) little girls. Yeah. Yeah, Because they've just learned, like, about, like, death as a concept. And, like, they're just starting to get a grasp on, like, the wider world, like, existing at all. Mm -hmm. But, like, they don't have any of the, like, social norms or social mores that make them, you know, not say you know, one of these days you're going to die and that's going to be sad and then go back to eating pudding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, like, I totally get what you're saying, though, but also, like, this what nine-year-old has been sitting there passively having to watch and probably been to the yerk pool and see those mm. people screaming. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. this nine-year-old probably has a much better idea of what torture is than most nine-year-olds because... She's heard people talking about it. She's mm-hmm. probably been witness to it now. Mm-hmm. And what we were just saying before about how the host gets influenced, uh, the yerk gets influenced by the host. I don't mm-hmm. know how much we've talked about hosts getting influenced by yerks, 
Like mm-hmm. the only two mm-hmm. characters we've seen in the books who are post uh, a yerk infestation uh, are both portrayed as being mentally disturbed as a result. Mm-hmm. And this is a nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would arguably say that, like, Karen, at the end of this, like, that is not normal small child behavior. Like, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is not normal small child conversation. Yeah. So it's, but, it's a different type of, but sorry, anyway. Yeah. To, to carry on to that point, it can be a trauma response. Mm-hmm. Like, kids are just like, oh, kid, that kid, you're, you're so grown up. Like, yeah, that kid is either could be neuroatypical or has had to deal with some shit and grow up fast mm-hmm. 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 and pro- she probably knows a bunch more language as a result so yes i, I exactly agree with you Doug. Like the way karen speaks is not like a standard nine-year-old would but a nine-year-old that's maybe gone through this specific kind of trauma mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can see how it may have happened yeah I think uh, because the way that this conversation here continues is Cassie pushes on and says, well, let me speak to Karen. Let's ask her if she hates you. And uh, uh, the yerk in Karen's head is just like, shut up. You know, we're not going to do that. Shut up. Um, and Cassie intuits like Karen doesn't feel hate towards you. She pities you. Uh and the the non-response that the Yerk gives is uh, almost an affirmation of that. Um, and I think it kind of comes back to what we were saying just a minute ago about how the Yerk doesn't understand how to deal with Cassie. The Yerk doesn't understand how to deal with a host that doesn't hate them. Mm. Because... they've been trained they've been trained to deal with hosts that fight and hosts that scream and rage and eventually give up um and and how to deal with that and how to ignore that and then when you have a host that acts differently um it is uh unbalancing in a way that i think if karen only felt rage and anger and or even mm-hmm. fear uh that the yerk could deal with it makes me wonder and i think it comes up a little bit later about why karen the human karen is specifically chosen to be a host or yes. it may have already mm-hmm. happened about who her father is but it makes me wonder one if using ch- children as hosts is common practice like we know that you like talk with like teenagers and stuff with the sharing <laughs> right and mm-hmm. things like that but like pre like like elementary mm-hmm. at school children age and also it's just got me thinking about how children can be incredibly compassionate in a way that adults maybe can't be mm-hmm. because to to think about it just like being in Karen's situation and given how the yerk speaks about it just sort of like knowing like this person is part of an army that they're being forced to do that if they weren't with me they wouldn't be able to see they wouldn't be able to hear anything Mm -hmm. and knowing that like they're this person's brother has died or been killed Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Kids can be so compassionate. Yeah. And that that notion of this kid who maybe has, I'd <clears throat> thought about torture, because as we said, kids can be incredibly morbid at that age and also bearing witness to it, but also just like this little girl being sad for this yeah. yerk. No wonder yerk Karen is like, I hate this. I hate, I don't like it. I don't want to talk about it. I do not want to confront this. Mm-hmm. Also, pity is a horrible thing to deal with. Yeah. I don't think anybody likes being pitied. Mm-hmm. Like empathy and compassion can be wonderful things. But if you feel pitied, nearly most of the time the response I feel tends to be anger or resentment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's I think it's also important to remember that like it's probably not one or the other of these. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it, almost certainly because I mean we know that Cassie thinks in a very black and white way. Mm-hmm. Like she's she probably is in this instance being like, "Oh yeah, she doesn't hate you. She just pities you." And like as if one mm-hmm. it's a switch completely between one state. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um but Karen's a whole person. Uh and almost certainly will vacillate between these or uh will feel both at the same time or anything like that. Um, but I think it does come back to, uh, what you said, Jade, it's just it, the fact that there is any pity there is in itself just an alien thing for the Yerk to have to deal with. Um, and mm-hmm. that they almost, that they hate to deal with because it, it, not only is it alien to them, but it is, uh, degrading kind of emotion to have directed at you. Uh, And so they continue walking. Karen basically brushes off everything that Cassie's saying, like, we'll see how much pity you feel after I've turned you over to Visser 3. Um, Because what is implied here is that this is also how Cassie feels, is, oh no, I don't hate you, I just pity you. Mm -hmm. Um, Projection much? Yeah. Hmm? Oh, I did not catch that. Okay, sorry. Yeah, she doesn't, yeah, it's, she doesn't say it, but I think it's implied here, um, because of the way that the conversation turns from talking about how Cassie is reacting to the Yerk, to Mm. how Karen is reacting to the Yerk, because, uh, we come back to the, it bothers you, doesn't it? When your ho- when your victims don't hate you. Um, and so I think the implication here is that Cassie doesn't hate the Yerk. Uh, she pities the Yerk in many ways. Probably, I mean, also, again, other things as well. But I think the implication here is that both Karen and Cassie are pitying this Yerk, and this Yerk doesn't know how to deal with that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, um, <clears throat> and, you know, Karen's just making threats. After I've turned you over to Visser 3, let's see how well you control the hate when you're nothing but a helpless puppet. Uh, which, you know, things to remember for later. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they don't move very fast. They're walking pretty slow. Um <clears throat> Uh, Cassie sees a deer and they share a moment just kind of like watching this deer in in the forest. Um, Love to have an Izzy cameo in my animals. 
and uh, Cassie's like pointing out like, oh, look, it's a mother and a baby. And she's definitely alert because she she knows we're here in that very like teaching a child about nature kind of way. Uh, and uh, the Yerk admits that the that Karen uh, loves Bambi. It was her favorite. Um, you humans make everything sentimental. It's an animal, so what? Um, and then we get into a bit of how Cassie is feeling about the whole thing. Um, because Cassie shrugs. To tell you the truth, I've been feeling that way myself lately. Uh, and Karen's like, I thought you cared about animals. I did. I mean, I do. It's just lately, I don't know. Things have been confusing for me lately. Normal stuff like school or my family or even the animals I take care of. It's all started to seem boring or something. Hey, Anhedonia. Mm. Um, Karen nodded. Of course. What do you mean, of course? <laughs> I mean, look at what you do, who you are, what you experience. You fight, you kill, you have power and you use it. Of course that's more interesting than your old normal life. I shook my head and munched some of the mushroom. That's not it. I mean, I don't know what it is. Karen laughed. You were just an average, everyday kid, weren't you, before you got the morphing power? Pretty much, I said. Now when you're morphing, or when you're in battle, you feel so alive, so vividly alive. Normal life seems boring now. Is that what being in a fight is like to you? I asked. Not to me. I hate it. I've just gotten all confused. How can I go around doing the things I do and still believe that life is sacred? That every life is sacred. Sometimes I'm a predator. Sometimes I'm prey. I don't know. It's confusing. For a while, Karen said nothing. Then, like it wasn't important, she said, we have people like you, too. People like me? Sure. Yerks who oppose the wars, who feel it's wrong to take unwilling hosts. I was so stunned, I stopped walking. What? I, lo I love how casually Karen's just like, oh, yeah, we got people like you. And Cassie's like... <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, what? <laughs> uh, don't act so surprised. We aren't all the same. Her face took on a bitter, resentful expression. See, you believe the Andalite propaganda about us. According to the Andalites, we're nothing but evil slugs. We don't deserve to be free flying around the galaxy. We're just parasites. It was the Andalites who helped you achieve spaceflight, I said. Ciro was his name, wasn't it? The Andalite who helped your people? Now it was Karen's turn to look surprised. You know a lot. Her eyes narrowed. You're not all humans, are you? You must be some Andalites. Without the Andalites, you'd still be trapped on your homeworld. Isn't that true? I like how they're having, like, two parallel mm -hmm. conversations here. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, Very good. Yes, without Ciro, we would be. He was the one good Andalite. So there's at least one good Andalite. And so many good Yerks. Maybe so. Uh, and then... Karen talks about what life is like in the Yerk pool. Oh I we like are... that this is filled up. So we get this really nice description of mm -hmm. what the world looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's get a... what sparks this line yeah. of conversation from Karen. We get a lot of how beautiful the natural world is around them in this mm -hmm. like section of the book uh, for obvious reasons. Um, we are born with a hundred or more sisters and brothers. We don't hatch from eggs, and we aren't born the way mammals are born either. Three yerks join together. They literally join together, with three bodies becoming one. 
Then that one body begins to fragment. It breaks up into smaller pieces. Grubs, they're called. Bit by bit, the body disintegrates, and each grub that falls away becomes another yerk. Sometimes there are twins, two yerks from one grub. The parent yerks die, of course. She looked at me to see my reaction. You aren't horrified? You aren't shocked? Actually, I was. <laughs> I've studied a lot of different animals, so I guess I'm kind of hard to shock. Karen looked back at the meadow. In our natural state, we have an excellent sense of smell. We have a good sense of touch. We can hear. We can communicate using a language of ultrasonic squeaks. But we cannot see. We are blind until we enter a host. Over the millennia, we have moved up the evolutionary chain to more and more advanced hosts. Eventually, the Geds became our basic host bodies. They are clumsy, slow creatures, but they have eyes. Oh, you can't imagine. You can't imagine the first time you enter a Ged brain and seize control, and suddenly you are seeing. Seeing! Colors! Shapes! It's a miracle to be blind and then to see. Suddenly she stooped down and snatched up a caterpillar from a leaf. Do you see this? This is what I am without a host body. Helpless, weak, blind. She spun and pointed at the meadow. Do you see those flowers? Do you see the sunlight? Do you see the birds flying? You hate me for wanting that? You hate me because I won't spend my life blind? You hate me because I won't spend my life swimming endlessly in a sea of sludge while humans like you live in a world of indescribable beauty? Most of you humans don't even know what you have. You have the most beautiful planet in the galaxy. No other place is so alive. In no other place are there so many trees, so many flowers, so many amazing creatures. You live in a palace. You live in paradise. And you hate me for wanting to live here too. I don't hate you. She ignored me. She was talking for herself now. What choice do we have? Back to the Yerk pools? Back to our home planet with Andalite dome ships in orbit above us, waiting for one of us to try and rise from the sludge, then blow us apart? Leave the universe to the almighty Andalites and the species they happen to like? Karen gave me a bleak, hard look. There are those of us who wish it could be another way, that there was some middle choice between being slugs beneath Andalite hooves and being... and being... Slave masters, I, su I suggested. I expected her to yell at me. Instead, she put her face close to mine. Her voice was low, her green eyes so enormous, I almost felt I could see through them to the yerk inside. What would you do, Cassie? What would you do if you were one of us? Would you live your life as a blind, helpless slug? I didn't have an answer. Instead, I looked away. A chance look. Uh, and then the leopard attacks. Uh, because the leopard is... Uh, conversation blocker here. Yeah. <laughs> I almost said cock block, and I was like, that's not right. <laughs> Can I just point out a real small detail? Uh -huh. uh, it, it's uh, while uh, this conversation is happening, the, the yerk, and I'm specifying the yerk here, puts this caterpillar down gently. Mm-hmm. Like, the way she is ranting in that moment, you might expect her to, like, throw it. Or just mm -hmm. like drop it, but she puts it down, mm -hmm. and there's just something about that tiny gesture, and maybe because the yerk is empathizing with this caterpillar because it knows what it's like to be blind and all that jazz or whatever. But I like that little detail as like a characterization. Being, I really like that they made that choice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something that uh, like sh uh, she says is that like. Earth is uniquely beautiful, 
but we've heard over and over and over again that Earth is also uniquely dangerous. Like, there are so many creatures on Earth when, like, most other planets have, like, 10 or 15 species, maybe 30 to 50 at the outside, and we've just got, we've got millions of bugs. We have millions of different <laughs> species of bugs. Earth is, Earth is the Australia of the galaxy, it would say. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Or more, I suppose more like the uh, the maybe like the Amazon, just like incredibly mm. lush, teeming with life. Yep. So many bugs. <laughs> just so many bugs. Why do you need I, so many species of beetle? Just, what are they for? What are they? Do? I'm just excited because I remember seeing that post about how they discovered a new variant of a new species of kingfisher, and it's so brightly coloured and tiny, and it makes me very happy. Oh, the pink one. <laughs> the little tiny pink one, huh? Oh my god. One that looks like the lesbian pride flag colors. Or a, a <laughs> Frank designed a king for, a little, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very Lisa Frank. Um, yeah. It's good shit. Uh, yeah, but like, uh, like, they're very vulnerable on Earth, but like, well, like, uh, I, I just got finished listening to, like, the other episodes, but we were talking about how, like, they probably don't know what Yurkish culture is like because mm -hmm. they were born in space or whatever. And, like, mm -hmm. probably on the Yurk homeworld, they're perfectly fine, like, 90% of the time because they just don't have as many dangers to experience. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, I, I felt like that needed calling out mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uniquely beautiful uniquely able to kill you mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. like a bright um, colored frog but yeah <laughs> so the conversation gets interrupted by the leopard neither cassie nor karen has the chance to react but then somebody interrupts the leopard um in a move we've seen before a flash of talons um like scratch crashes over the leopard's face, a blur of grey that hurled down from the sky. Um, unfortunately, it isn't enough to stop like the leopard from colliding with Karen. Um, Cassie tries to intervene and uh, gets hit by the leopard with the back of a paw, uh, and the osprey uh, flutters down and attacks again, but the leopard gets a hit in. Um, but yeah, Cassie starts to morph, but it's too late, uh, to really intervene because the leopard has, uh, bitten down on Karen's leg. Yeah. Um, it can smell the wolf morph sort of coming in. Yeah. And so the leopard's like, okay, I'm going to take my lunch elsewhere <laughs> mm -hmm. and starts dragging Karen away. And Karen is calling out to Cassie to help and swears that she'll let her go. Um, mm -hmm. and Cassie goes to follow, uh, half in morph, and Cassie turns to look at Marco, because of course the Osprey is Marco, um, who's starting to stand up and demorph, uh, because Marco's the only other one in the group that has the Osprey other than, uh, Cassie, right? Everyone else is a different bird of prey. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Cassie manages to get more into morph, 
Um, and there's sort of like this face-off. Cassie realizes that a wolf against a leopard, the leopard is very much going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Because the leopard's teeth are longer, it has four clawed uh, paws, not just obviously a powerful jaw. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and then realizes that Karen, the little girl Karen, is the one begging for help. Uh, Cassie, so, mm-hmm, go on. Cassie's frozen in this moment. She doesn't know what she should do. She's berating herself for even thinking about trying to save this yerk, uh, and then also telling herself, "No, I'm not trying to save the yerk. I'm trying to save the little girl." But she's also kind of trying to save the yerk, I think, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because we've just come out of this super heavy conversation, uh, like. Cassie hasn't had any time to pro- to process any of that before this leopard attacks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and she makes the choice. I love this. Mm-hmm. Like she's like I and she talks about being more scared than any fight she's been in. Mm-hmm. Or she's never been more afraid of anything else she's fighting because of just how dangerous a leopard is. Um, and like comparing the wolf morph to it, um, and it's just like, what am I doing? And this is what we've seen from Cassie before is this, um, this back and forth with Cassie when she has time, she questions. Um, but having, uh, she's saved from having to make this decision, um, because, uh, Marco, has uh, stepped up uh, behind her in Morph. I don't think it says there what Morph he's in. Um, but yeah. Oh, no, he does because he's thought speaks it. Uh, he's morphed Gorilla. Mm-hmm. Um, and the leopard's like, okay, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, fuck this. Because a wolf is a fight the leopard knows it could win. But we all, we all done seen Tarzan. <laughs> Gorilla's gonna do okay against a leopard, um, and yeah, but like the leopard like retreats, but Cassie's away. Just like the second Karen's at risk of being alone, the leopard's gonna get her. Yeah, I do love Marco just like walking up. They just like run away, little kitty. You may be able to take on a wolf, and you may be able to take on a gorilla, but you can't take on both of us. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he, like, actually said that to the leopard in, like, a way it understood because thoughts speak. Mm. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe. Or maybe he's postulating and, like, its tone is enough. Yeah. But it's a nice thought. I like it. Um, But, yeah, so now Marco is here. And for a minute we just get some pure, unadulterated Marco. Just like, how's that for a last-minute rescue? I am the cavalry. I am 911. <laughs> now all we have to do is figure out how to explain to that little girl that a gorilla and a wolf are working together. Um, and Marco's going to quickly understand just what the situation is here because Cassie immediately starts demorphing. Mm-hmm. And Marco's like, yo, what the fuck? Why are you doing that? She can't see what you can do. Um, you can easily come up to explain it. She's probably scared out of her mind. And Cassie's just, Marco, she knows. Marco's like, all humor and joking gone from his voice. 
what do you mean she already knows? And she, uh, out of morph, is just like, I mean, she knows. Oh, great, Cassie. And, uh, okay, well, she's just a kid. Who's going to believe her if she starts ranting and raving about some girl who turned into a wolf? And Cassie turns away from him and starts uh, fixing the splint around uh, Karen's leg. Mm-hmm. And Cassie knows Marco well enough to warn Karen, don't tell him what you are, not if you want to live. But Marco sees that, Cass- sees that Cassie is whispering and she isn't sure even if Karen understands with all the pain she's in. And Marco, still in thought speak, is just like, okay, how about telling me what's going on? And it says he's going to walk off and come back as himself. So uh, Karen doesn't see the morphing. <laughs> just comes and she's like, how's a monkey morph going to hurt me? She's like, mm. <laughs> no, no. Talk about talk about the Yerk being influenced by the child host. Uh huh. Um, um, and God, gorillas are the best. I love that, but that's great because Karen the Yerk only has Karen the child's understanding of monkeys, and all she knows is that this gorilla looks like Curious George, mm-hmm. which is just very cute. Mm-hmm. As like a, a, a wonderful point of reference. Um, but Cassie's just like, look, he can't know because he hates yurks. Um, so please, let's want to tell you that he can't know. And Karen questions like, why are you protecting me from him? You weren't so sure about saving me from the leopard, were you? And just like, even through all of that, the yurk was picking up on Cassie's hesitation. But mm-hmm. uh, Cassie focuses on cleaning the wound. Um, and realizes this is sort of like outside of her field of expertise, like, and that there's a risk of serious injury, like gangrene, maybe even gangrene. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, we get a, and explains that if it gets worse, the foot will have to be amputated. We get a, another hideous spike of ableism mm-hmm. from the yerk, um, about then she'd be stuck in a host that isn't just a child but is also like a disabled child that's my phrasing not the book's phrasing and i'm sticking Mm -hmm. to it Mm -hmm. um and cassie counters with you've already done that to her she's already lost her both her legs and her arms and her eyes and her voice and um and then we get this amazing insight from the yerk uh, because the Yerk's like, why do you hate me? Why don't you just finish me off? Uh, and Cassie counters, because I can't destroy you without destroying the girl. And the Yerk's like, no, there's more to it. Oh, you're trying to turn me. You're trying to get me to turn against my own side. You want to make peace. You want to find a way to stop us without having to get your hands dirty. You want to defeat us without having to kill us. It's almost sweet. It is sweet. Sweet and naive and foolish and utterly, utterly futile. Uh, and then mm-hmm. we learned that Marco has been listening in the whole time. Mm-hmm. In Osprey Morph. Because mm-hmm. uh, they have amazing hearing as well as excellent eyesight. Mm-hmm. And uh, like Marco in this Osprey Morph is just like looking down from the tree. And he's just like, I absolutely agree. And he's just got his thoughts speak voice vibrating with suppressed rage. There's no peace with parasites. You don't turn them around. You bury them. 
And this is just incredibly validating for Karen, who's like, <laughs> finally, I get this guy. <laughs> yep. And it's just like trying to use it, weaponize this against Cassie. It's just like, you see, kill me. He says, kill me. Kill the Yerk. Now, where's your morality? Tell me again, Cassie, how you humans and your Andalite friends are better than we are. Note that she uh, is still calling Cassie Cassie, though, and using mm-hmm. her name. So, mm-hmm. and she's yelling this, and Marco is making, proceeds to make one of the arguments that Cassie made earlier. Uh, we don't crawl into people's brains and make them slaves. Uh, and starts demorphing. And Karen's just like, of course not. You're predators. You think being a predator is fine. Well, we think being parasites is fine. Your morality is real simple. Anything humans do, okay. Anything yurks do is wrong. And uh, we again, we, we see sort of this reiteration, like Karen using the same uh, talking points as with her conversation with Cassie. Mm-hmm. And Marco saying the same things that Cassie said back. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't compare what you do to, to humans with what we do to cows. Um, mm-hmm. Sure I can. You're our meat, Karen said. It was a harsh, spitting, evil statement. It seemed even more so coming out from a little girl's mouth. She and Marco stood face to face, glaring. I felt as if I couldn't breathe, like I couldn't make my mind work. Uh, and she, Cassie is desperate at this point because she she knows that marco is going to kill her not her cassie her karen and the yerk uh and and so she fucking pulls out the big stick like Uh Mm -hmm. i feel like only cassie or maybe jake Mm -hmm. but really and i say this with conviction i think only cassie would put it like this yeah by going just like you of all people, Marco, should be able to understand that uh, it's a person. Uh, and just like, you know what I'm talking about. There's someone you know, someone close to you who is just like Karen. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously referencing Vissa 1. Um, and then she references uh, Tom. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, obliquely. Yeah. And, and this just, is because... Marco has said the little girl is gone, mm-hmm. which is a blatantly false statement. Mm-hmm. At this point, Marco is trying to justify what he's about to do to himself. Yes, mm-hmm. and like honestly, like Cassie has reiterated throughout the book that like his decision would be a right and correct one for their situation, and like. Mm-hmm. Marco's mm-hmm. also there. He's like, this is what needs to be done. And, mm-hmm. like, he doesn't have to like it, and he's trying to justify it. Mm-hmm. But, like, they... Go on, Doug, please. Oh, that, that was that was kind of the end of that thought. Like, just they, they, yeah. they both know. Yeah. yeah. What's interesting about that exact thing is, like, if he had been there from the start, she might have let him do it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But the fact that she's now had all this time to think and get to mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. it isn't just an easy out anymore to have Marco do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we get this, like, and Marco is pissed. It's like, so what are you telling me? We can't fight the Yerks because they hide behind humans. What do we do? Give up? 
look, Cassie, you're so worried about this controller here. Why don't you worry about all of us? You know who I mean. You think she and her fellow Yerks would hesitate to destroy us? And again, this feels like, like you were saying, Danielle Marco, justifying his position to himself as much as to Cassie. And Cassie's just like, he's right. It's either Karen or the Animorphs. Mm-hmm. Both could not survive. And she can't find an answer for him. And uh, Marco is like unimpressed. Or he rolls his eyes and Cassie reads into that. Mm-hmm. His opinion of me was obvious. It was okay. I agreed with him. I was a muddled, confused, foolish girl. I was sacrificing my friends for what? I was selling out the entire human race for what? So I wouldn't have to see one little one lost little girl destroyed so I wouldn't have to know that a yerk, yes, a yerk with her own life and feelings of thoughts was going to perish. Um, um, uh, mm-hmm. it, the thing that strikes me about you saying that like Cassie reads into like Marco rolling his eyes is mm-hmm. uh, because uh, I've mentioned before, there are a lot of times where I think very much like Marco and like Marco is quick. We know that. And like, he sees from A to Z, like he gets there faster than anybody else. He knows Mm. where he's going and what needs to happen. And it occurs to me that it is entirely possible. He's just like, I've already made a decision and uh, it's confusing for him or upsetting for him. It's like, why can't you just make a decision or, mm-hmm. you know, like any decision, really. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um... Yeah. Sorry. Anyway. No, yeah. No, that's that's great. a good point. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think Marco would show more respect if Cassie were very obviously, like, sticking to an argument mm-hmm. and de- trying to defend an argument. But Cassie doesn't really know what she's trying to defend here besides... Oh God! Please stop! <laughs> stop! Everything! Yeah. Stop! <laughs> it's it, it's like that argument or that point Karen made. She's like, "You want peace, so you don't have to fight because mm-hmm. fighting mm-hmm. bothers you." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have Marco going like, "Okay, Yerk, I'll give a choice. You're gonna die either way. Now you can leave the girl and take not take anyone else down, or well, nothing personal." but you're not leaving the forest alive. And Karen's just like, you want to kill me? You've got the power, but I'm not going to make it easy for you. And Marco super casually is like, okay, though, Cassie was like, that it is a big deal to him that he feels that awful, violent sickness inside of him, but she also knows that he would do it. Um, And Cassie has uh the moment the realization of that there is another person that here who should have a chance to speak um and but she wants to hear from karen and the yeah she's just like don't be an idiot i you know i can sound exactly like karen and this is where cassie makes a choice um uh-huh. she starts to demorph so the controller has a place to go so that they can hear from karen and before um, he can object, um, half out of morph, Cassie puts her head to Karen's and presses their ears together. 
And Marco is like losing it at this point. Um, and Cassie, I was beyond logic and reason. I just didn't want to have to hurt anyone or anything. That was all. I just didn't want to hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, to be fair, that's a hurt ellipse with an ellipsis after it. But yeah. yeah. Uh, but Marco is morphing back to Osprey. He's immediately understood. Um, the um the yerk oh yeah he immediately understood what cassie hasn't even thought of that the yerk will immediately be able to morph so he pieces out Mm -hmm. to go get the others um now it's not the little girl who may have to die it's you yeah Yeah. and i'm gonna just put it out there given like I just didn't want to have to hurt anyone or anything all i can think of is that fucking moment in tobias's book Mm-hmm. The first one where he's gonna fly into the mm-hmm. like that—that that is suicide ideation right there. Just like I don't want to yeah. do this anymore. Just like okay, fine, take it all, get, get rid of it all. I don't want it. Just yeah. for a minute. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people who have—I've seen a really good thing uh, talking about uh, suicide ideation and depression. It's not so much as wanting to be dead; it's wanting to not have to deal with being alive for a bit. Mm-hmm. And that's just like, oh, that's that's a fucking mood <laughs> some days. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like when everything <clears throat> is just so overwhelming to just not have to. Mm-hmm. And we've always said a panicked Cassie makes quick choices. <laughs> yep. <laughs> not always smart choices, but does make choices. Yeah. It's um I do think it's really telling to have this. I don't want to hurt anyone or anything. I just didn't want to hurt. And you point out that there's an ellipsis there, but I think it's telling that they didn't finish the sentence when they wrote yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it very clearly points to just the amount of emotional anguish that Cassie's in right now. Yes, absolutely. Um, that she she could not handle... Like, I think if Marco had acted faster and had just killed Karen, I think Cassie would have just gone off the deep end, essentially. Like, I think she would have yeah. blue screened entirely. She would, she, she would be, be done. She would. She would have maxed out her trauma, trauma clock. <laughs> she would have acquired a condition. Yeah. Um, but obviously, tactically, this is, a fucking dumbass decision. Like, mm-hmm. as far as Cassie's split-second decisions go, like, this is... Not one of our best. Not yeah. not a great one. Um, I mean, as but- we're about to find out, it does <clears throat> actually pay off in the long run, but that doesn't make it a good yeah. slash smart choice. And yeah. and as Dirk pointed out, like, in, in our document, I can understand exactly why she made this choice in her desperation uh but it's still just heinously dangerous <laughs> uh, yeah it's uh like if if aftran had been even a little more less willing to to flip like this would have meant the end of everything um because yeah. if this had been like the fucking Yerku infested Jake, it would have yeah. been mm-hmm. 
Like, he's gone. I'm going to transform into a bird and get the fuck out of here. Goodbye. And, like, there's an argument to be made that if if it had been, like, the Yerk that infested Jake all along and had acted in that way, like, Mm -hmm. Cassie would not be having this much of a dilemma. Yeah. Like, she would still be passive as fuck about it, but she would not... She would not do this. I suppose it pays uh, credit to the making point that not all yurks are the same. Mm -hmm. Because this yurk, specific yurk, has acted in a way that has allowed Cassie to get to this point. Mm -hmm. That, yeah, it obviously shaped by the... um, the host because i feel there is something interesting to be said about how perceived white girlhood innocence Mm -hmm. and and if this was just like an adult yeah Mm -hmm. i don't think Uh it would have happened at all no absolutely Mm -hmm. not no but because of the face that's on this it then gave an opening for cassie to entertain these thoughts and it leads to something good Mm -hmm. but it's just a lot. And yeah. uh, so she does this and talks about, um, again, this pain of uh, initially this pain and then how the yerk secretes a chemical that makes the ear go numb and that she can still feel the pressure. And then, yeah, the the yerk is fully invested in Cassie's head. Yeah. And this is Karen, actually, mm-hmm. I think, the first time we get described to us the someone being infested Mm. because when this happened to jake he woke up and was already infested Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, and so this is the first time we kind of get that description of like this the slowly being taken over kind of thing and that again that depersonalization Mm -hmm. here of this isn't the specific instance we were warning for um but this is an instance of it. Yeah. But, um, and yeah, it takes in the sight of Karen, human Karen, crying and sobbing about wanting to go home. And then, and then my eyes moved, looked away. They focused on Marco as he flapped his gray and white wings and rose from the ground. I hadn't moved my eyes. It was all over so quickly. So quickly I lost all control of my own body. And we have uh, the Yerk opening up Cassie's memories. And she feels her secrets, all my little shames and embarrassments lying open for the Yerk to inspect, to laugh at. But at the same time, parts of her mind seemed to soak into my consciousness. I could see her, not as well as she could see me, because I could not control which of her memories I looked at. But just the same, the Yerk's mind seemed to blur into mine. I was there in the Yerk pool, blind, swimming. I had a name and a designation. I was Afran942 of the Hetz and Platt pool. I was there in Afran's memories, opening Ged's eyes for the, Ged eyes for the first time and seeing color. Oh, the shock. Oh, the glory of it. Even secondhand, even from so long ago, the beauty of color seen for the first time was overwhelming. I was there when the Yerk first felt, felt its Hulk Vajir host, felt the grace and power that the Ged would never have. I was there when the new Hawk Vajir controller was in its first blade fight, the fear it had felt. And after the battle, after the next battle, and the next, and the next, some other memory grew and grew. A memory of sadness, a memory of regret. Afran was saddened by the battles. 
and then the human host Karen. And we talk about uh, talks about how Aftran had volunteered because um, she wanted out of the Hawkbridge body. She wanted out of the war, specifically. Uh, what could be a safer, more peaceful host than a little human girl? Uh, because Karen's father is the billionaire owner of a Unibank. Uh, would give Aftran access to all sorts of information and vast amounts of useful cash. Um, the Yerks haven't been able to infest uh, the father yet, um, but Karen had been taken to, and made into a controller so they could watch her father. Um, so she'd taken that job to avoid having to kill, but her, her full brother Estril had stayed on as a hawk vizier. Um, had been acting as backup security to a meeting of the sharing, a nothing job, no problem, stay aboard a shielded ship just in case. And the just in case had been the battle, and I saw with Aftran's memory the image of a wolf, teeth bared in a vicious snarl. Me. Um, and now Aftran opened that very memory. I could feel her absorbing my crystal clear images. The moment where I lunged for the hawk throat and heard Jake yell, okay, they've had it, back away, back away. His name was Estril 731 of the Hetson Platpool, Aftran said to me. Yes, I said. And as the guilt welled up inside me, I could tell that Aftran was watching the emotion, solemnly curious. And this is where all the secrets start coming out. And Aftran's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Five human children and Andalite Areths? And that's it. And then... She, we start seeing a, a summary of some of the quote highlight reel mm-hmm. um, of Alfangor's fighter crash landing when Cassie learned that Tobias was stuck in Hawkmore. First time she morphed Dolphin. Sees about Jake being a controller. Um, uh, Jake's brother, Tom, being a controller. The, the leader of the Animorphs lives under the same roof as a Yerk about Marco's mother being Vissa One. Um, and the fact that it was Vissa 1 who had freed the Animorphs from Vissa 3's clutches. And uh, we get a fun little detail of Aftran just being like, ugh, politicians. <laughs> <laughs> Politics and power. The Vissas spend more time attacking each other than they spend attacking our enemies. All they care about is their own power. Uh, but she sees the underground park where the Chi care for the stray dogs that remind them of the Palamites. She sees all of Cassie's morphs, dwells on the termite, um, a memory that Cassie really doesn't want to be revisiting, but uh, um, is marvels at Cassie's guilt over killing the termite queen, uh, is fucking delighted by the reveal of what was at Zone 91, uh, and just has a good laugh at Vista 3's expense. Um and then is up to date, as it were, and feels Cassie's own complicated emotions. So Aftran gets Cassie's perspective on the past couple of days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, and we get the detail here of mm. Aftran's mind went away, closed off by itself. We know that the Yerks can shield their own minds from their hosts. At least to a great extent. Maybe not block all of the emotions and things, but they can generally shield their own memories and minds. And so then we know that these, the first images that Cassie saw of Aftran were specifically the things that Aftran wanted to show Cassie. 
She wanted Cassie to experience, at least briefly, that memory of being a yerk in the pool and then being inside a host for the first time. Wanted Cassie to know what that felt. And it's like, it's just like, let me, it's like forced empathy. It's just mm -hmm. like, let me show you what I was talking about so you can feel it. Yeah. And we learn shortly that Aftran is maybe, in fact, having a change of heart. And I think this bit here is a testament to that. To Aftran has been watching Cassie kind of extend a hand this whole time. And now is like... Continuing to... understand why? Yes is beginning to understand why and is continuing to not like she's not spitting on that right mm -hmm. she's yeah. she's continuing the conversation and Aftran doesn't know where this is going Cassie doesn't know where this is going but they're both like standing on opposite sides of a gap and like neither one is just turning away um which is just insanely lucky on Cassie's part. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's also just critically important for us to see that in a Yerk. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, Aftrain is not the best person. Um, because it has taken all of this for Aftran mm -hmm. to consider letting a screaming little girl go right yeah but it does i think it's really really important to be able to show that there are yurks in that in-between space yeah mm -hmm. um who you know are not already on one side or the other but who are just kind of going along because it, it, that's it's what, what they their do. life is. Um, yeah. And and just kind of waiting to see another way out. <clears throat> because they don't see another way out. And so they don't do anything. And they're not willing to make the choice without seeing another way out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and but then... Aftran mm -hmm, morphs Osprey and flies. And marvels in that. Uh, There's something really potent to me about, as we go into chapter 19, and we get this um, post-morph of uh, an Aftran getting to experience flight and what mm -hmm. the world looks like from here. But we also get this thought process from Cassie mm -hmm. that is heartbreaking to yeah. read because you read and i'll read it in just a sec but it's like you get the feeling like this is not the first time cassie's had this kind of thought mm -hmm. spiral mm -hmm. uh it would be child's play for the yerk to fly to the nearest gas station demorph and call his superiors then it would all be over jake would be seized probably by tom himself rachel would be taken on her way to the mall marco acts tobias one by one they would each be dragged unwilling, crying, screaming, begging, or perhaps with whatever dignity they could hold on to, down, down into the yerk pool. 
and their stunned unconscious to keep them from morphing, they would have their heads shoved down into the sludge of the yerk pool. And at that moment, their freedom would die, and perhaps the last best hope of humanity would die as well. My fault. All my fault. I was a fool. I was a coward. I'd been unwilling to do the hard, brutal, necessary thing. Instead, I'd followed, what, a wish, an instinct, a pathetic hope. And while Cassie's having this fucking heartbreaking doom scenario play out, Aftran's like, flying's fucking dope. <laughs> Yo. And he's having a great time. Um, but Aftran doesn't head towards civilization. And I've actually just noticed a thing about the way the Yerk is being gendered here, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, because it does say his, that might just be a, a typo. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I'll come back to that on a later thought, just how all of the Yerks and Andalites, for that matter, we tend to be encounter nearly always have he, him pronouns. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hate it. We'll mm-hmm. question this more later. But Aftran is just sort of like um, circling. And Cassie can feel her doubts. Um, and she's unsure of, uh, and that she's unsure. But then we see, uh, some men, she sees some men in state police uniforms. Um, and even from this distance, they can still see where Karen is. Mm-hmm. Uh, about several thousand yards separating her from this group of men. And Cassie's just like, oh, it's a rescue party. Um, so there's probably a massive search underway. And Aftran Swan is just like, yeah, there probably is, but they're, they're controllers because I know some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they aren't looking for you. They're looking for me. They will expect me to be in Karen. If they find her, they'll know I've made you my host. They'll ask why. And Cassie isn't sure if Aftran is anxious or afraid. And it's like, it's now Cassie's sense of really be on the back foot about what is this person thinking of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then spots the uh, other Animorphs coming in. Well, to be fair, the Osprey spots uh, a bald eagle and the other birds that are not eagles that Cassie mm-hmm. quick to guess is a peregrine falcon, a northern harrier, another Osprey, and of course a red-tailed hawk. And obviously Aftran realizes as soon as Cassie does that uh, backup is on the way and just like, so are they coming to rescue you or to kill you? And Cass like to kill you. Uh, they'll hold me until you starve from lack of Candrona rays. And uh, Aftran is sort of shocked by this, that Cassie knows about Candrona. Of course, I see it now. And because she hasn't had time to look at everything Cassie knows. Um, and then there's sort of this stalemate. Because mm-hmm. Cassie's like, okay, so your people are going to find Karen. And when they find out she's not a controller, they'll kill her because she knows too much. And Aftran is like, yeah, and your friends will kill me. Do you know what it's like to die of Candrona starvation? Do you know what kind of agony? Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what kind of agony it causes? And Cassie's just like, okay, then let's end the killing. You and I, your side, my side. The animals will be here soon. They've seen me. There'll be a battle. Some of my friends will die. Those, some of those controls will die. Karen may die. You can die for what? And Karen's just like, you think you can make peace between human and yerk and and like, don't be stupid. And Cassie counters with, no, I don't think we can make peace between all humans and all Yerks and all Andalites, but you and I can have peace. One Yerk, one human. 
Aftran said nothing, but I could hear echoes of her thoughts. Back to the yerk pool, to hide among the other, to, hi- to hide among the other yerks, to try and disappear in the mass of slugs, to leave her host and never return. Never to see again, never to see blue, green, red, never again to see the sun, any sun. Why? So some little human girl with green eyes could be free? Do you know what you're asking me to do? Aftran demanded. Yes. And if you were me? I can't answer that. I'm not you. But then Aftran opened my brain again, flipping through pages of memory, listening to my instincts, absorbing my beliefs. You believe you would sacrifice anything to save Karen. Aftran said, that's what you believe. You believe if you were me, you would make the sacrifices. But I'm not you. Maybe you are, she said. Maybe more than you think. Aftran, Aftran turned in the warm morning air and began flapping back towards Karen. And that's when an echo of Aftran's thoughts bubbled up inside my own consciousness. And I felt the heart 